Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets and welcome to the pre-market trading segment where I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you can expect from today's guest, an update from the market, and of course, something from my personal life. Now, this is a longer episode, so I'm going to make this intro brief. We have Nick Viella. He is going to talk all about the growth of his podcast, how he gets the guests he gets. I ask him, how much do you make per episode? How much do you make per year? How much do you invest back into the podcast? What are your top revenue sources? How many downloads do you get? All the trading secrets in the Nick Vial playbook. He's pressed. He's asked. Let's see what he'll share. Now, a little update you need to know about the market. Bitcoin. Bitcoin can now be traded via an ETF. They're finally here. So you don't have to go through crypto mania wallets and all this crazy stuff to buy Bitcoin. You can get publicly traded Bitcoin via an ETF. Here are a few ETFs that you can look at. IBIT, that's iShares Bitcoin Trust. Fidelity Wise Origin Bitcoin Fund, which is the ticker FBTC, Bitwise Bitcoin ETF BITB, and there are some others that are out there too. But the biggest thing you want to know with ETFs, how you decide between the ETFs, is you just want to really look at the expense ratio. What are they charging you? And what an ETF is, it's an exchange traded fund. And essentially, what it does is it will mirror the performance of Bitcoin. That's new, that's exciting. Now, this happened to gold a long time ago. You think about gold, where'd you buy it? In the commodities market, right? You can now buy gold, of course, through an ETF. When it was announced that gold had an ETF, all the price of gold went down. And we're seeing that with Bitcoin, actually. The price of Bitcoin is going down. But I think given the availability of Bitcoin now through an ETF, overall, this is a good thing for Bitcoin if you are bullish on it. A little update for my personal life. A lot of action back in Nashville this week. Excited to be here. I'm going to be in DC for a quick opportunity with Smoothie King, of all things. And then I will be going to iHeartRadio, Pebble Beach with Chris Harrison, Wells Adams, uh, Justin, Ben Higgins, and more. I'll be flying from there to Tampa Bay for the vice president of our business development and the agency rewired talent management's wedding. And then from there, We'll be going to Beaver Creek with some friends for a two-day ski trip, and then I'm coming home, and then I'm going to the one and only the Super Bowl. We have some exciting work stuff going on out there. I'll share more about that soon. But this episode, Nick Vial, you're going to be blown away. I love what he says. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, he just needs you to listen to him. I can tell you this. You will walk away with tons of tips and tricks of how to change your approach to business, finances, and career. This is an episode you can't afford to miss. And don't forget, I'll tell you what, this is a good one to watch. You can go to YouTube and follow us, Trading Secrets Podcast by Jason Tardick on YouTube. You can check out our Instagram page, Trading Secrets Podcast, or join our Facebook group, Trading Secrets Podcast. But enough of that. Let's get into the episode with the one, the only, Nick Vial. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we are joined by one of Bachelor Nation's most well-known personalities. And now, I'm saying it, Nick, 
the podcast king, Nick Fiel. If you watch reality TV, then you've probably seen Nick come across your TV screen over the last decade. Between appearances on The Bachelorette twice, Bachelor in Paradise, The Bachelor, Dancing with the Stars, Special Forces, The Masked Singer, or some other shows out there, Nick has done it all. More notably, however, Nick has leveraged his reality TV fame into numerous lucrative business endeavors, including establishing one of the top culture podcasts in the world, The Vile Files, that has over 150 million downloads in the last five years. Most recently, Nick announced that he has founded his own media company, Envy Media, an audio-first lifestyle company focused on pop culture and relationship-themed shows. Today, we are going to talk all about the evolution of the Vile Files, what led to him starting his own media company and brand, and where he sees his career going in years to come. Nick, this is the second time. Welcome back to Trading Secrets. Good to be with you, bud. It's been two years since we last had you. Is that two actually. years? Two years. Damn. Time flies, huh? It does, yeah. Okay, here's what I want to start with. Just saw you on Special Forces. You know, what would you think about just your overall, let's talk about your overall character, Nick Vial. What did you think about your character shown on Special Forces? My character? Forces? Like, like your the, overall. You're talking about my character? Not or like, like your character is foundation. The character we saw of Nick on Special Forces. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great too. Yeah. I didn't I, think it. I mean, special forces is a different animal than, say, most reality shows. Like you don't. I mean, there is always an edit, just because there's such limited on on time. But yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think that show is really going out of their way to try to edit out specific characters and storylines to yeah. the degree that, say, maybe The Bachelor or Love Is Blind is. The environment is so intense. And the structure of the show, you know, is so intense on its own that the show kind of takes care of itself in terms of the drama that is unfolds. In fact, if it was a two hour show, yeah. I think they could have edited in more storylines and, and more, you know, behind the scene, not, not, not so much behind the scenes, but things that kind of went on in between all the intense shit that they had us do. But as far as how I came across, I was, yeah, I was very pleased. I mean, I was pleased with the outcome and how I performed and, and yeah, I was, I was, I was happy with how it came off and I was just more than anything was just kind of happy that I got the opportunity to to do that. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I asked because last time you were on the show and it's great that you're wearing the Green Bay Packers uh, shirt right now because you made a connection to the Green Bay Packers when we talked about branding. <laughs> I forgot the specific name, but you said that there was a, an analyst that you can't stand. Oh, you well, can't stand Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a critic of Aaron Rodgers yeah. when Aaron Rodgers, of course, was on the Packers. But your overall branding talk about that was no matter what, I tune into his show to listen to what he has to say. Yeah. And you brought it back to yourself saying, people can love me, people can hate me, but all I need is them to tune into the show. That's to care. And that's it. You need yeah. them to care. Yeah. So I want to ask you this, though, because when I saw you on Special Forces, I had this feeling of like emotion for you. I felt for you. I saw a vulnerability side. I also saw like a man that has mental strength at a level that I had never been exposed to. So that was like that Nick. Then we see the podcast Nick. Then we see, we know the bachelor Nick, right? There's that now we're seeing this like caring, soft, soon to be father Nick. There's like all these different Nicks out there. And I think a lot of people have all these different perceptions of you. And you mentioned last show, you just want people to tune in and care what you have to say. If someone said, like, who is Nick? Through all these different things that people are saying, who is Nick? What is the Nick that <laughs> we tune into? Well, I guess on some levels, it's everything you've gotten to see. But 
like some loaded like who is me no but i'm just curious because like do you when people say like you've you've probably heard it all from you're arrogant to you're the sweetest guy in the world like sure how i mean i guess i can be all those things i think more than anything i am someone who you know cares very much about my character and who i am as a person and i i care very much about what my i guess my my inner circle thinks of me to the degree that I, it's important to me to surround myself with people who can hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. And so obviously their, their opinions matter to me. And, you know, I am someone who obviously is passionate about what I do and, and works very hard at what I do. And I do have, I think a lot of different, I guess, layers, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, I can be all those things, but yeah, I mean, I guess depending on what medium you consume me yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) might change your perception of me right because i sometimes i am going to be subject to the medium that i'm a part of you know Mm -hmm. like if i do like i'm not ever going to overly edit myself and i'm not going to try to control what i can't control Mm -hmm. which you know i'm a big believer in controlling what you can control so the opposite i i try not to waste too much of my energy trying to control things that are outside of my control. Yeah. And reality TV, if you're going to do that, there are a lot of aspects of that that are outside of your control that you simply just have to accept those aspects. Things like, you know, you, you can't edit the show, that you can't control what people are going to do around you. And to that end, how you come across, you know, might be subject to things outside of your control. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, when I do those things or do those shows, I've always been someone who hasn't spent a lot of time editing myself down out of fear of the things I can't control. And that has in some, at some times worked against me. So, you know, right. And that certainly has affected how people have perceived me, but it hasn't been a primary concern of mine to try to go out of my way to make sure that, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there on any type of major public platform and, and put an, a microphone, so to speak, or giving people access to consume you. I mean, it's just a waste of energy trying to be liked and loved by everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm much, I like to be loved as much as, as the next person, but it's also not really any of my business what, you know, people outside my circle think of me. I yeah. mean, of course, I'd love to be liked and love to be loved, but it's more important to, you know, just be authentic and not to sound cliche, but like, yeah, just because I can control that. And, and, and at least I'm consistent because I do think more than anything, especially on reality TV or just being in the public eye, the thing that hurts people the most, I think, is inconsistency. Just look at Bachelor Nation. Sure. Everyone loves a fall from grace. Everyone loves it when like the, the likable character does the shitty thing and then we can hate on them, right? Because yeah. they're showing this inconsistency. I think over time, what I have shown with people is a consistency to be myself. And I think that if anything, whether they they like or dislike me, I think people have come to respect that about me. Yeah. I think a lot of people that do well with business endeavors after the show, you can connect polarizing to a lot of those people for the good or bad, but it drives their business, right? It's part of the equation. Sure. That's only just because Bachelor Nation specifically washes down their characters. And if you basically have an opinion about anything, you're subjecting yourself to criticism if you take a stand about anything yeah bachelor nation look at i mean the most popular people are the quote-unquote the least problematic and the least problematic are the people who really are the most quiet people who don't really say anything about 
anyone. You don't really know who they are. But those might be the most likable people, but that doesn't mean they're the most successful people. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so I just want to, I'm just on the word polarizing. I think yeah. it's, it's a bit of an eye roll when it comes to that, okay. to Bachelor Nation. Okay. You know, in yeah. terms of, you know, look at real polarizing characters out in the media media yeah. and I don't think anyone from Bachelor Nation is oh, all that no. polarizing. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. You're right. Exactly. When you compare it to Bachelor Nation, I'm not connecting, you know, yeah. your brand at all to anyone in those worlds, but I think the idea though is that a lot of people get a lot of love and get a lot of hate. I think at the end of the day it's about how how you can do with it and for some reason, you know, what I'm impressed by Nick is that when people do give you that feedback, I've never seen you once I don't know. I haven't seen you bite into it. I haven't seen you step into it. I just see you always continuing to be yourself and not feeding it. Yeah, I just, there is no greater power, especially nowadays, than the power to ignore things or people. Yeah. Okay. And does it, then the last question I have on this, because I'm just fascinated by it, does negative criticism impact you in any way personally that you get from your business? Of course. I mean, I'm not like, I'm a human being. Yeah. And so, like, I can, can be affected by negative criticism. I just do a pretty good job of policing myself. Yeah. And I have tools in place to, again, to, again, protect my own mental health. And if things do break through, yeah, I mean, I can have a bad day, but I always, again, try to think big picture, you know, like I'm running a real company now and I have multiple employees. And so I just don't have time to think of Small problems. Yeah. Like what someone's saying on, a you know, I'm, I'm t- every yeah. day I'm, I'm tackling more pressing issues. Right. And so unless there's an issue that's bigger than a, than a problem I'm tackling at any given day, I just don't have time to worry about, you know, some petty things, petty, petty things. I really, I, I really just don't. It just, it just becomes more of a kind of like a math equation in my head. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, is this, is this problem bigger than this problem? No, then. Yeah. If it is, let me know. And if you guys haven't listened to the first episode ever with Nick, go back and listen to it. It was two years ago. But Nick, one of the things you said on that episode was that after Paradise, you moved to LA and you were living off $50,000. You think about the way your life... I mean, it was a little less than that. But so it's, my savings? Yeah. Yeah. A little, bit, a little less than that. A little less than that. Yeah. But then what? you think about... How but just like that was like a set amount. That was a set amount. Like, yeah, I wasn't, I was making that. I right. was making nothing at the time. Absolutely nothing, yeah. right? So you had some money to live off. You think about what you've done since then. We'll get into some of your top revenue streams, but when you think that you weren't making any money, you had $50,000 in the bank, and now your podcast, as of today, is streaming number five in the world based on this Gypsy Rose episode, and you think about the financial success you've had, what do you think has been the number one trading secret that has got you from there to here today? just consistency in, you know, prioritizing my business and treating it like a business, you know? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And just reinvest, you know, reinvest back into my business. I currently have eight employees. I have eight employees. Eight employees. And they're all, and in your podcast, they're all working for your podcast or are they, they part of your, po- your well, overall they work empire? For me. They were, oh, part of their pro- podcast is their, yeah, they work for Envy Media. Okay, yeah. got it. We're going to jump into Envy Media in a second. Let's talk about this. We're on the PR route. One thing I think you've done, I do think consistency has been good, but for so many years, since 2016, you are always relevant in the news. You just are. And my question is, do you think that has to do with specific strategies or tactics? To I make no effort to be relevant in the news. Really? None. It's not even a thought of mine. 
But okay. I, I am doing things with my show, I guess, that keep me relevant. In fact, more, more times than not with my team, like my team is aware of like clickbait. Yeah. Right. They understand that like to be mindful of things that are quotable. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. So every once in a while they'll edit out something that I just don't want to feel like I want to deal with like an annoying headline. Mm -hmm. Right. As I develop my show more and more, I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough to have incredibly relevant guests and, and you know, that, you know, they're driving the headlines for my show. And, you know, and I guess on some level, like my relationship status is bit of interest to people or at least pop culture, you know, mm-hmm. outlets. And so, you know, me meeting Natalie, getting engaged to Natalie, getting pregnant with Natalie. Mm-hmm. Certainly those have been headlines, but I, I don't read my press. Okay. I, I don't like, I'm not aware of my, you know, I think my manager has my Google alerts on. Yeah. But again, when I spoke earlier about protecting my mental health, like yeah. that's how I do it. And I've had lots of conversations with lots of people in Bachelor Nation about protecting their mental health or lack thereof and how they always think, you know, they're referencing reading Reddit and reading their comments and, you know, reading their press and they all act like it's fun or they don't care. It doesn't <laughs> affect them. And it, it does. And again, it, you are editing yourself when you do that. You are, you are taking and seeking the advice of people you don't know, never heard of, don't know their qualifications, their credentials. You don't even know if they're real. Mm-hmm. And yet you are listening to their, their ideas yeah. and perception about you. And that will affect how you go about your life. You're then inherently, whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, you're then editing the version of yourself to adhere to them. That's interesting. You're doing what they they think you should do. Yep. And that definitely impacts your direction. They're they're on Reddit talking about you. I don't know if you want to take life or business advice from those people, but yet when you are reading those comments to the degree in which many people do, you, you are, you are consciously or subconsciously like actively giving them power yep. and access into how you make decisions for yourself and your life. And I, I don't think that usually turns out beneficial. All right. Well, what yeah. about this? The idea of, so we talked a little bit about press. You said you had mentioned like that is nothing that you've, you've sought out. It seeks you out, but then the press definitely helps, I think, run the engine. There's this overarching theme of like all press is good press. What's your business take on that with someone that's in the press often. And I mean, today you're everywhere. This moment right now, you're everywhere in the news. It's going well. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I, I, I agree with the, I, I agree with it in principle. Okay. Especially if you can have the tools in place to protect your mental health. Okay. I don't, again, I'm, I'm unaware that I am in, in, in the news is. today. Right. I, I, the Gypsy Rose episode dropped today. That was a big deal sure. for us. It was a big exclusive for us. And obviously that's, I went in today knowing there would be a lot of eyes on my show yeah. and then how we conducted the interview in itself. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, that's, that's important to me, but that, that's, that's all I know. Okay. You, know? you talked about reinvesting. Last question I got on PR. Have you <clears throat> found that investing in PR has been beneficial to the overall return of your businesses? Absolutely. But it's all about timing too. You know, like <laughs> publicists are very expensive as I'm sure you know. Oh yeah. So you have to make sure you have something to promote. You know, I had a publicist, my first time experiencing, my first experience working with a publicist was during Dancing with the Stars. It's, mm-hmm. They recommend it as it works. And the longer you are on Dancing with the Stars, the more you make. And so, you know, you can pretty quickly like see your return, figure out the ROI there. Yep. But after I was done with Dancing with the Stars, I quickly got 
rid of my publicist because I didn't have anything active to promote, you know? And so a lot of people will hold on to publicists for the clout. Sure. Say they have one. A publicist will also get you invited to a lot of the relevant parties. Yeah. That wasn't a priority for me, you know? And so I went without a publicist for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until vile files started, got created. And then I had some success that I, looking into getting a publicist. I think I was two years into my, my show exists. I just had my, you know, this week was our f- fifth year anniversary. For right. Congrats. So I didn't get a publicist for the show until two years into the show. Okay. And at that point I thought the show was successful enough that it could justify the cost, the cost. And, you know, the primary focus was always to, fo- you know, promote the show and then promote me as the host of the show. Got it. So yeah, it's been incredibly beneficial, you know, and then when I wrote my book, obviously like, you know, that there was plenty for them to promote there. So I had to make sure I had to give them something to promote. I had to give them something to work with. Okay. To um, see the return. That to you're, see the return. Well, talk about the cost. What do you pay for a publicist on average? Would you say? It's in the ballpark of 5k. Yeah. 5k a month. Right. Yeah. So then you're looking for them to get the press out there. That's going to generate enough return. I think your overall take is you have to have business momentum and something big to be promoting to get. Yeah. It, it's also, especially in Hollywood, it's okay to say to yourself or anyone who's asking, it's not the right time for me right now. Yeah. Okay. Because if, you know, a lot of people who go on reality TV, you know, there's a pressure of like keeping the momentum going. But if the only thing you have to promote is the fact that you on reality TV, I can tell you right now, you don't need a publicist. Yeah. You don't need a publicist to be messy. Yeah. You know, like I don't need a publicist to, <laughs> to go on my show and give an opinion that, you know, E! News or anyone else might find to be, you know, scandalous in nature, even though I don't, yeah. you know, and yeah. then make a headline about it. That's, yep. that's not why you need a publicist. And yeah. so anyone reality TV, if they're willing to speak their mind, mm-hmm. you know, and be a little messy. Yeah you have a chance to get some kind of press. You don't need a publicist for that. Yep. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just kind of knowing the difference yeah. and, and yeah, that's cool. One thing you and I talked about at, I think it was Tyler Cameron's not for profit where you asked me like with some of the stuff I'm doing, what's my overall like goal with it. And what I told you was financial freedom. I want to be able to build enough with what I have to then create enough cash inflow to reinvest into other things to just give me financial freedom. I then asked the same question back to you. And your response was something of the nature. And I was, I was a bit surprised by it, but you're like, listen, I don't care if one more person in my entire life recognizes me. I don't care. I just want to build businesses and build like financial wealth for my family and continue to do big things. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, so well, you I like your answer to financial freedom. Being a public figure is a, a cost of doing business at this point. Okay. Tell me more about that. Well, because like there are benefits to being in the public. There's a lot of that having attention. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of headache that comes with it too. I have found to enjoy more aspects of just being successful in business than, than being successful in fame. Yeah. 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 Well, Uh, in the the limelight, it's just a headache, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's just a headache. You know, it doesn't really bring you any real happiness or value. Sure. It, it, it can bring you access and attention. It can help be a way to promote the things that you're doing. Again, it's, it's a necessary evil. Yeah. But, you know, like you just, you know, anytime you bring attention to yourself, you bring attention to yourself and, you know, not all attention is good attention, yeah. you know, I guess I'm just aware of that. And I just, you know, I've been lucky enough in my life in the, in the, especially in the public space that like, you know, 
I don't know. It doesn't really, I've, you know, you, when you're the bachelor, you have a, a nice little moment, Yeah. you know, and you get incredible access and it's a really cool feeling to be the quote unquote it person for a moment mm -hmm. in the center of attention for a moment, but it's hectic. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with and it's nerve wracking and it's can be stressful and, and you're constantly worried about everything and you literally have a microscope on you and it, it's stressful, especially nowadays where everyone's picking apart everything you're doing and saying and things like that. It's, um, it's a lot. It's so a lot. It's I, a yeah, lot. it's not something I'm actively seeking. Um, but I understand that I've chose to operate in the space mm -hmm. and that it comes with the territory and, and it certainly helps me get to the, the places I'm trying to go, especially yeah. with my show. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to, especially now that I'm an expecting father, just, I just want to support the people I love and, and be able to, to, you know, hang out with them. That's it. And relax. I love it. I you think know. it's put one of your secret sauces that people don't know about is the fact that that's not what you're chasing. You're focused on the business. You're consistent, you're disciplined. And I think most people that you probably interview that you sit across the table from are not that way. And you've interviewed some big people in the reality TV space. You've also talked to a lot. Like, do you think that most people kind of get stuck in the business perspective from just chasing to always be in the limelight as opposed to doing it with a solid, thoughtful I can't really direction? speak because I haven't had those types of conversations with those people. So yeah. I think it'd be unfair to me to cast any type of judgment on, on what I think drives them that way. Fair. But I don't think a lot of people have taken the approach I have taken. Yeah. Well, we I, know that's that. just a guess. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. And I, and, and again, like I, I think just like we talked about earlier for if, you know, you can't go on reality TV and have, you know, Jonah, Joe Mobley and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a level of, a level of narcissism in all of us who have gone on this show. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you obviously like attention to some degree. Yeah. If you've chosen a part, a life in public life. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, obviously, as I say all this, I'm, I'm acknowledging that I also like, there's a part of me that's always liked attention, enjoyed attention, but like now that I'm in this place, I'm not like I've accepted as a necessary evil. But I guess what I'm saying is like for all the people who are reading their, their you know, have their Google alerts on, yeah. are reading Reddits about themselves, just reading any, uh, reading their comments, you know, on a regular basis. Like obviously that, why are they doing that? They're caring very much of what people have to say and it's mm -hmm. validating them. And I think on some way that's letting them know what they think they should or shouldn't be doing or something. Yep. But that to me hasn't been the recipe for success. Okay. Well, let's get into a little bit of your success because you have had a lot of it. So 2024 top three revenue streams with the businesses you have, what do you think the top three business revenue streams are for you? My show would be number one. Okay. I guess in social media. Does social media come even close to what you gross from your show? I don't think so. Interesting. Like one-fifth, one-tenth? To be totally honest, <laughs> yeah. like, that's a micro question. And I'm thinking about macro okay. problems. So, like, the ratio in terms of, you know. You're so far from focused on creating content for the purpose of monetization that thinking about what percentage Instagram revenue is to like, your beast is so minute to you. It's not even going to be more insignificant that crosses yeah, your life. I don't care about it. Interesting. So if that being said, that's number two, obviously podcast is a clear number one and drives, would you say almost a hundred percent of your day-to-day -day routine? Uh, yes. Okay. My day-to-day -day routine. Your day-to-day -day sure. routine. That's my focus. Work, Everything off of that is social media. You know, yeah. again, my focus is the show and the media company Yep. and everything rolls up to that. Okay. So let's go into some of the moves you've made. You were with Cast Media. You signed with them. 
that's really, and you can correct me if I'm wrong from a perception, that's really where the show went next level. It went from like good to great. But you left Cast Media. Tell me a little bit about what made you leave and, and go in your own direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, the show, I started my show in 2019 in January and, you know, we we had, you know, we had some early success right away, yeah. which is funny though. It, I had a conversation with someone recently just trying to give them perspective on starting a podcast and, sure. and what they could expect and, and things like that. But my show had early success. Okay. Um, and it still took us nine months to generate $25,000 worth of revenue for the show. Nine months. Yeah. Interesting. In 2019. And our show always did well, you know, and can I ask a question after that? Sure. 25,000 in nine months. Is it fair to say you probably in most episodes make more than 25,000 per episode? Or per week? I mean, I, I'm not really sharing that stuff. Okay. Yeah. I got to ask though. Um, I got to do my but job. We're doing, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're doing very well. Yeah. Okay. I, well, even like there was a, like after the, in the 10th month, I know we, we generated $25,000 in the 10th month. Okay. Wow. I'll say that. Yeah. But it took nine months to get even to 25. And then the 10th month we did 25 in one month. It was like, you know, it took nine months for our show to really, I think, you know, you proof of concept, male yeah. host, female audience. I think it took a while for people to, for advertisers at least to, you know, does the show work? Was that it, part of the reason to getting some of your female co-hosts? I've always had women voices. Oh, on you have show. since day one? Yeah, since okay. day one. I mean, it's always been rotating, yeah. but so it's, yeah. And, you know, as a, having a women's audience, it's always important for me to have women voices. Most of our guests are women. Yeah. That's always been the case, but, but we, yeah, we've had women's voices since the beginning. Okay. Cast media though, the reason for the departure, when you think about going with talking to me about the business financial move there. It really just came down to, at the end of the day, the company I'm with Lipson now, they just made a better offer. Okay. Really came down to that. Um, that being said, I think it was just time for me to move on from, from cast. Um, you know, they've, they've been in the news a lot, but I will, I will just say like for all their faults, I guess I was able to create a, a successful show with them. Yeah. I've always been like, I, I, you know, I've always been the main producer on it. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I own the show. It's my show. No one cares about your business more than you. Right. Obviously that is a very true statement. Sure. And, but they, it was their studios. They had a team, they had their editors. They, they packaged, they, they ran post okay. with their people. And so I'll, the first two years, I didn't have any employees. Oh, yeah. you know. And then I hired my first two as like social media assistants and they have grown. One's still with me. Yeah. And then obviously we've grown a lot since then. But so the real answer is I just got a better deal. Cool. But with part of that is I also wanted to produce my own show and do my own studio and have my freedom. When I was going through my last contract, that wasn't necessarily a must, you know, like if they're, you know, the business model, there's more and more companies like, you know, your dear medias, yeah. right. They do a lot of production of their shows and there's other companies that do absolutely none. I'm with a company that has nothing. They just sell their shows. Okay. You so know? when you say a better deal though, and I know you're not going to get into the numbers of the deal, but just the structure is, the two things you're negotiating, right, is a guarantee and then a percentage split. Correct. So if you get better both of those, then you would go. Sure, yeah. Got it, okay. Yeah, I also thought that, you know, I had only been with uh, Cass at that point, and as someone who has a background in sales, I'm aware that not every salesperson is created equal. Correct. <laughs> and I was curious about the quality of other sales teams. Okay. And I've, my thoughts were proven to be correct, 
where I'm very happy with where I'm at right now and, and the sales team that they have. Message heard. And yeah, it's been a really great partnership. And yeah, so now I, I produce everything on my own. And so that was, that was a goal and something I wanted to do. And I used this kind of new relationship with Libsyn to kind of be the catalyst that drove me to produce my show entirely. So I have my own studios. I run my own studios. And that gave me the freedom to then start the, you know, the media company and expand because I'm actually, you know, I have the bones in place of doing my own show, my own team, my own studios. We have our own post-production process. We have our, you know, we have our own process and now we're just implementing that process that we've developed as a team into creating other shows. I think it's genius. It's going to, you're going to set yourself up for massive success. I think about like, you know, what the potential exit is from Dear Media since what they've done. They've built a huge company at a great valuation. Sounds like you're on the path to do just that. But is there any bit of conflict of interest there? If you're with a network and then your production company is creating a show under your network, aren't you technically competing with the network that you're signed to? No, I mean, they, they're, they're, they're part of it. Got it. Okay. You know, so it's a part. They're still my sales arm. Got it. Okay. Understood. So. Okay. Cool. They're theirs too. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm we're, giving them more things to sell. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> perfectly said. And if you guys remember in the last episode, Nick started his career at salesforce.com. And if you can make it in selling at salesforce.com, you can sell anything anywhere. So go check that episode out. We're on the podcast topic. There's really only one question to ask you here, Nick. We could have had this episode one hour and one minute with this question. And this topic, Gypsy Rose. Everyone's talking about it. People are blowing up. I said to people, give me questions for Nick. Every question was about Gypsy Rose. So the first question I got you regarding Gypsy Rose, did you have to pay Gypsy Rose to come on your podcast? I did not, no. You did not. So then the second question for Gypsy Rose is, how did you land the most wanted person? You're competing, by the way, against Fox News, CNN, ABC, Good Morning America. She chooses to do the long-form interview with you. How'd you do it? Correct you, I wouldn't say I'm competing against the ones you just listed. But you got an exclusive I got, ex- I got the exclusive did. podcast. Okay. Which to me matters. Oh, you know, yeah, right? it like, matters. Yeah. She did GMA. She did The View prior to doing the podcast. The podcast. Okay. I mean, obviously, had she did mine first before she ever spoke to anyone, sure. that would have been massive. massive. But it was still incredibly massive for for my show to land Gypsy's first podcast because you know the podcast medium long form is a completely different platform than a quick snippet. It, than a quick snippet, it's it's as I always tell my guests, it's your opportunity to like have my audience kind of sit in the room with you, be a friend, to like you know have a conversation that they don't get to have or see in these these quick sound bitey type of interviews that are always highly edited and fit into some sort of like storyline that they've already predetermined. And sure. And then podcast is very different. You know, we can go to the heavy questions and the light questions and things like that. Uh, how did I get them? I have a great team. I invest in, I have, I've bookers who work for my, for my show and you know, it's just, and, and it was then that secured gypsy. So shout out to Claire and her team. Um, how long ago did they, like, so the interview came out. I knew that I was going to get the gypsy Rose interview when she was still in prison. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So it was like the week prior to her release. Do you know who you were competing against other shows they were considering giving the exclusive to? I don't know. I'm assuming everyone. I'm assuming everyone. Yeah. 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 Who wouldn't have wanted her? Yeah. But I guess the question is who has the bookers that have the ability to get in front of her while she's in prison? I don't, 
I mean, I, I do know, I don't know for sure. Okay. I'd only be speculating, but I, I'm, I, I feel like I can confidently speculate that anyone would have said yes. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, know? I agree so, with that. Um, I think I just have, a, I have a great team, you know, yeah. and I do think we have been successful in getting some good guests to that end. We've also been successful in getting timely guests with timely stories. And I think that matters. And I think we've proven as a show to be able to handle and deliver on those types of interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also been good for our show is that we have invested in our dramatic sizzles. You yeah. know, that was something that I just decided I wanted to do with the team. And I really emphasize, I want like, we let's, we want movie quality sizzle reels. Yeah. You know, we're developing these, you know, we're, we're these episodes, we're delivering on these stories and also let's, it's, let's have some fun, you know, let's yeah. have some fun with yeah. the content we're putting out. And so We've, we've made some really cool sizzles. I have a great team, you know, Al, Allie, who my employee has been with me the longest. She does most of the sizzles. Usually I'm kind of giving her different, you know, a vision that I'm looking for sure. and she executes with perfection okay. uh, most of the time. And I think to that end, you know, it's like, I think we've also created a, a little bit of a culture with potential guests who see our sizzles and, and they, yeah, they want to be part and of kind of envision themselves you know, maybe being a part of a sizzle one day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I think one of the genius things too, one also I want to, I want to acknowledge this, that one word I keep hearing over and over is invest and reinvest. And I think people really need to take that into their lives, into whatever businesses they have, into their brand. If, even if it's just building your resume, you have to continue to invest and reinvest. Clearly, Nick, you've done that. You have these sizzles that are unbelievable, but I also think the concept the concept of when like breakups happen, and so I've learned this, obviously the attention's at its highest point because everyone wants to know what happens. So the people, a lot of people that want to be on your show are at that moment in the news at the highest point. You also at times want to speak your truth and you need a platform to do it. And they know they can do it in a safe, credible way with you. What a genius like machine that'll never stop giving. I hope so. Do you yeah. agree with that model has been like part of the driving force? Breakups create relevance. Relevance create downloads. People need a place to speak about it. And you've created the credible source to do it. I don't think I like thought of it in like that kind of yeah. path, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. But again, I, I mean, as a podcast and, you know, everyone who has a podcast at some level is a storyteller. Sure. Yeah. We have different types of shows. We have our Ask Nicks, we have our reality recap episodes, and then we have our Going Deepers. And the Going Deepers are more interview-driven episodes. And whoever comes on, especially if they have a story, is, again, telling that story. And I want to give them that platform to tell theirs and create a safe space while at the same time be willing to ask the relevant tough questions. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not trying to gotcha anyone. Yeah. You know, like, it's my job, I think, as a podcast host, at least that's how I, I approach it, is to... Make, make, make my guests the most comfortable mm-hmm. so that they can be the most honest and vulnerable. A, cust- a guest who comes in on feeling comfortable is they're going to want to sit down. They're going to want to open up. They're going to be like, you know what, what, you know what else, you know, let me tell you, you know, and that's why like we, we do longer interviews and the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes are, you know, like Gypsy, for example, like as I, shit, I was nervous, you know, yeah. interviewing her, yeah. you know, just the, you could feel the, you know, the moment, yeah, you know, totally. And you know, I asked her if she was nervous. She said no. And I, I believe her. She's like a champ. But I will say like after the first 10 minutes, you know, you're feeling each other out. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a rapport with Gypsy. She sure. didn't know me, vice yeah. versa. 
Uh, she did tell me she watched my season of The Bachelor. That was pretty cool. There you go. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, 20 minutes in, then she's opening up and she's cracking jokes about like trying to hook up with her husband, Ryan, the night before and getting turned down by him, <laughs> you know? And so it's just creating that atmosphere and that rapport and that trust. And yeah, you just, you got, you know, and that's always going to work best when they feel comfortable. Okay. Got it. And I, I, I'm always prepping my guests too. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not, again, like I'll tell for the most part, I'll tell you the questions yeah. that I'm going to ask, you know, it's the stories that people want to know. Yeah. I'll just, you know, if, if a question comes up that's relevant for me to ask just to qualify what you're saying, I'll ask it, but it's not my job to play, I guess, judge, so to speak. That's my audience's job. Yeah. It's okay. my, you know, I'll yeah. let them judge. Yeah. You know, you're- they can judge what they think of R- 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 Gypsy and Ryan their relationship and whether they think Gypsy is contrite. I mean, I shared my opinion, but like sure. it was my job to ask her the questions to get her to speak. And you got, and, and whoever listens gets to spend an hour and a half plus with me, Gypsy and Ryan to listen, be in the room with us, hear every little word spoken, yep. you know, can hear any pauses or, you know, her tone, her flow, and they can judge for themselves yeah. whether they, agree or disagree or, you know, Clayton and those, and those types of interviews. So I just want them to come in and be able to express themselves. Okay. Have you ever been, have you ever had to pay someone to come on your show? No. Have you ever had someone ask you to pay them? to? Sure. I mean, I've gotten, I've helped with travel a little bit. Okay. Um, but usually not other than that. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I think it go the 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 benefits goes both ways. I mean, oh, of course. You know, yeah, look at the um, the total of eyeballs. On. Yeah, and we've yeah. created a show where I think we're giving people an opportunity to to get their story out. Okay. And they also know that you know they're going to have the podcast and then they're going to have a team of people pumping out some incredible, you know, clips and yeah. sizzle reels and and all those things and if you want your story out, we we promise we'll get it out. I love it. And so, again, I think we just created an environment that makes sense for both parties. Cool. Can you share your top three episodes in like a round of downloads or is that the amount? Well, our top episodes, I will say, have done over two mil. Over two million downloads. Yeah. Your top episode. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Can you, and you can't share though who those guests were? Oh, I'm guessing Gypsy's going to be yeah, by Salsa and Done. She'll be one of those. Two million. Uh, Raven from Love is Blind. Okay. And that was a big one off the top of my head. I do know uh, Greg and Victoria's was big when uh, they came out for the first time. time. Yeah. Marshall from Love is Blind was big. Black China was really big. A few other ones, but yeah. Okay. Wow. So, guys, I don't think you realize how big two million is. It is massive. I just have a couple more podcast questions. Who do you consider your biggest competition at this point? Who is your Coke? Who's Pepsi? I don't know. I, you know, I, I embrace competition. <laughs> I, like I like the laugh though. Yeah. I've always respected what Alex is doing over at Color Daddy. That's yeah. for sure. You know, I really respect what she's doing. I, what, what I respect so much about what she's doing is that after her big, you know, $60 million Spotify deal, which obviously was very publicly talked about, mm-hmm. she also reinvented her show and she's sure. done it very successfully. Yeah. And that's a credit to her drive and consistency and determination. She didn't, she's not someone who kind of less, rested on her laurels after yeah. getting a $60 million deal. Point. You know, she started a show that had a co-host and it was, you know, very graphic audio 
escapades of two young women. And, and now she is, you know, considered by a lot of people kind of like the up and coming Oprah of, mm-hmm. of certain interviews. Yeah. And uh, that's a credit to what she's doing and the guests she's getting. So I wouldn't call it like, you know, every, every podcast is my competition. Yeah. You know, every podcast is an opportunity for someone and any pop culture relationship podcast is my competition. Okay. But I also like, you know, I think competition is great. Yeah. I, I don't run from competition. And when I see other shows who book good guests or are up in the charts, you know, I will, I might go, oh, fuck, that was a good get, man. Was, you know, it's so funny you, you said know. that, good get, because when I remember when I got the Tinder swindler on, one of the people, yeah. and I remember your exact text to me was, good, good get, get, man. I you was know? like, wow. I, you know, I, I like to see what other people are doing. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me motivated. Yeah. So I don't, I don't run from competition. Yeah. And I, don't, I like to compliment people who, who I see having success and doing it well. And again, that, that just keeps me sharp. You know, competition hasn't, stop me once from doing what I've been able to do. I love it. And so I, I just think there's a, there's a, my, my biggest focus, like staying power, outlasting people, especially okay. in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know, that's a good playing one. the long game. That's because, a good one. You know, especially this town, it's very, it's a, a lot of pops, pops, you know, very short term, you know, spikes and then people disappear. Like, and my, my big, my big focus is longevity longevity you mentioned oprah quick rapid fire question one dream guest who would it be taylor swift harry styles okay that's a good one all right i want to transition to your media company we talked a little bit about it envy you we saw that you're bringing one podcast on are you already in the process of recruiting other podcasts how big do you expect this to be what's the vision it's early i definitely want to do it right more than anything so i have no expectations on myself in terms of how fast or how big I want to grow. I just, I, I, I'm not a big over promise and under deliver type of guy. I, I don't, I've done that before and I don't like the feeling yeah. of, I like showing more than I like doing. I think Katie, signing Katie and Dana were, were perfect. And it was, I thought the timing was perfect. And I'm really excited to have those two women be my, you know, host my first show that I'm producing that I'm not on. I have had conversations with other people. So yeah, there's active conversations, but I don't know if anything, something could happen in two weeks, something, you know, some, you know, but most likely, you know, those things take time. So maybe in a month or two, I could launch another one, but who knows? Maybe there's a world where I don't launch another one this year. It's possible, unlikely, who knows? But I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, like I I don't have any real expectations other than I really want to do it right. I've seen a lot of people attempt to do what I'm attempting to do and fail. Totally. And I think sometimes maybe they're just scaling too fast or they don't know what they want it to be. And I want whatever I do, I want it to have quality shows yeah. and it's a competitive market out there. I mean, the podcast industry right now isn't growing, it's shrinking. Yeah, and so absolutely. I'm trying to grow in an industry that's currently shrinking. Right. Uh, so there's risks there. Can I ask you about that? Cause you had said, you know, you've seen a lot of people come in and try and do what you're doing and fail. I think we've also both seen a lot of people try to start a podcast and soon thereafter fail. I'm curious from like a business leadership perspective, Dana and Katie, it could have been anyone, almost anyone would have entertained a conversation to start a podcast. What is it about those two that you see them making it in this space? Well, one, I mean, they got relevancy, Mm -hmm. you know, Katie's an OG cast member and arguably the hottest cable television show out there. Yep. And I think they're two women who have a lot to say and they're willing to say it. And I think more than anything, you need that. Yeah. A willingness to be open and vulnerable with their life. 
your life rather, because that's what they want to talk about. You know, there are two women in their thirties who have had untraditional lives. I suppose you yeah. could say that, whatever that means. And they're open and, and willing to talk about that. Uh, especially there's a lot of stigmas and stereotypes out there for everyone, but especially like single women in their thirties or people who want to reinvent themselves in their middle ages, especially women, yep. you know, single women often get, are very, you know, if they're in a relationship that's toxic and not serving them well, they'll stay in it much longer than they should for fear of going back out there and being single and being alone and what are their friends and family and society going to say about them. And, and for all the w women out there who identify with that type of fear, I think Katie and Dana are two women that they can follow along with and, and have that support to have that courage to get out there and live vicariously through them. And so I just think they're excellent choices in, in that regard. And I think, again, you just have to, as I told them, I'm like, listen, you just have to figure out how to bring drama to your show. Interesting. You know, I don't care where how it comes you do from, it, but it's got to come. It's to just got to, you know, <clears throat> people watch, watch, you know, it's got to be entertaining. It's got to be dramatic and dramatic can mean very different things, sure. but it, you have to bring in an element of drama. What's next? What are you, you know, though everyone's done the whole, like today we have the expert from, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. The, 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 the attachment the style expert, the, whatever, the yeah. media, the, yeah. the medium expert, yeah. the food expert, the, you know, yeah. that, that, that playbook and podcasting is worn down and dumb and, and it's been played out and, you know, well, we, we stopped a, doing that a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like it just the overall business landscape of American consumers. You're, you're, you're talking about the dichotomy of education versus entertainment. And if you look at every single forum, entertainment is going to get the bigger dollar amounts. It's going to get the bigger buzz. It's going to get the people lining up. Look at Taylor Swift, look at Beyonce, billion dollar plus shows versus an educational forum. In America, we want entertainment. Entertainment is drama and entertainment is always going to sell over education. The media company though, Envy, I'm just curious from an investment standpoint, we talk a lot of dollars and cents here. Did you have to front any money to start it or was it an equity? No, everything is 100% funded by our success at the current moment. Wow. Yeah. Damn. That's so a good way to say it. Something we'd like to keep, but you know, and it's possible. All right, I got a little bit more time with you here, Nick, and I want to transition to my second book. It's called Talk Money. To me, it's all about love and money. So I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship with love and money, like with you and Natalie. Do you guys have any type of rules or systems as you manage your career finances that have, that have seen uh, a ton of success or that have seen a ton of failure? I don't think so. I mean, again, we're in a very fortunate position. I always think long-term, Yep. you know, you know, as a couple, we've had conversations about just acknowledging, you know, the type of success that we've had in the past mm -hmm. couple of years and recognizing that nothing's guaranteed in the future. Yep. And then, you know, so we are mindful of that. I've had the best year of my life financially for every, for the past, I don't know. Every year is outperformed. Every year since year. 2015. Okay. And so will 2023 be larger than 2022? Well, it was. It was. Yeah, that's what... 2024. I mean, you know, you mentioned we did over... I've done over 150 million downloads in our five years. Yep. We did almost 60 million last year. 60 million. Wow. So we've had, you know, do the math there. And yeah. in one, year, one out of our five years, we did over a third of our downloads. Holy shit. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, we'll see. I hope, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for 100 mil this, this year. 100 million downloads yeah. is the goal? 
Yeah. And are you going to increase we'll episode output to get there or stay at the same? Right now, no. Okay. I don't foresee that happening. Okay. It's not like there's only so many days left in the week. We already okay. do uh, four once a month, but I don't okay. see that changing anytime. Maybe. We'll see. But right now, no. Okay. I'm going to throw a number. And That's you... not the goal. I don't think we have to do that to get there. Okay. I'm going to throw a number. You could say above, below, or you can say GFY. GFY means yeah, yeah, go fuck yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Three million annual revenue for your podcast, above, below, or GFY. I'm going to go GFY. <laughs> okay. How about 1.5 million? Uh, I'm going to go GFY. Okay. I'm getting a good GFY. What did I, you know, I, you know, last, I just, last I year, two years ago, I, remember, I asked it was you, like it was 750 and, and you said above. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think guess we like, can once you, it. once you, once you get past that number, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any upside into, into sharing, the into number. sharing. Okay. That's good. All right. No, again, I, I think you're, you're getting into attracting the wrong attention conversations. Okay. I see. you get the attention from that comes, but I think it also is inspiration for a lot of people out there. They I see two years ago, you I hope people feel very inspired by my success. Right? I mean, like, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I've been, I've been able to do a lot of dream come true things yeah. with, you know, with what I've been able to accomplish with this totally. show first, you know, buying my grandfather's lake house back and, and bringing it back into my family. That's pretty cool. Being able to support my parents, yeah. you know, in the twilight of their life. I mean, hopefully not the twilight, you know, but yeah. like <laughs> to, you know, they've given me so much of their life and sacrificed so much for their kids and to be yeah. able to, to give back to them is incredibly rewarding feeling. And to, to be able to support my family and do the things that I get to do, I feel very lucky and privileged. That I get to do that. And for sure. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So hopefully that is in, inspiring. That is inspiring. I think that's really inspiring. But I do think like, if you look at the mechanics of business, there's a point where revenue comes in that you can afford to reinvest in people, especially like you have people that are living in LA, like you have a lot, seven, eight people. That's a big dollar amount you're paying at 750 K of revenue. It gets a little tighter when you have eight people on the payroll. You know what I mean? So they're also, I think with all yeah. businesses. Well, here, I'll, answer, I'll, I'll give you this number. I'm spending more than that number you asked last time. Interesting. Okay. So there you go. And I think let's use this as education. You're spending that amount to reinvest in your business. And so people out there that are starting businesses, put that in perspective as you scale, because you can't scale without reinvesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Impossible. funny. My, my uncle who doesn't, he's, he consults on the side. He's, yeah. you know, fine, but he does my books for me, you know, cause well, he can, he has the time for, doesn't need to do it. And yeah. it's just fun to have like someone in the family, you know, who you can trust help with your money. Yeah. And I just remember as a kid, as a young entrepreneur, he always told me most entrepreneurs don't reinvest in their business. Yep. yep. And a lot of people, you'll have the houses and the boats and all this shit and, and yep. their businesses don't grow and they eventually die. Yep. Exactly. You know? And so that's just something I took to heart Yeah, and you know, I want to keep growing and I'm, I'm doing just fine in terms of the life I get to live and the things I get to do yeah. and I don't need to be driving a G wagon. Yeah. You know, for sure. And I'd rather invest that in another editor. Yep. I love it. And another, you know, or another qualified employee who can maybe bring in an idea or, you know, make a, a dramatic sizzle that, you know, entices another big name guest to want to do my show. I love it. It's what, well, oh, that's working. You don't need a G wagon when you got a professional editor putting those types of clips out. It's incredible. A couple more things I got to ask you. Talk about this revenue. This is educational. This is good drama. It's not bad drama. You could also tell me to GFY. Do you have a take on prenups? Uh, yeah, I think they're great. Or yeah. I think they're okay, totally so you're fine. pro prenup then? 
Yeah, I mean, like marriage nowadays is not what it used to be. No. And again, prenup with the idea that, you know, the assets you come into the marriage are your assets. Yep. And things that you do together as a couple or yep. can be the, you know, and every, there's exceptions to every rule. But like if someone's against that on its own, yeah. then why? Yeah, I, you I know, agree. Ask with you. yourself I'm, why. I'm, tre- I'm team prenup and team post up, right? Because things happen after you're married and you can adjust things based on how those things work. Yeah. I mean, so. listen, I, I think everything's different. Sure. And there's every, every relationship has a different situation, but again, the premise of a prenup being like everyone's, you know, what they come into the relationship is theirs. Like yep. if someone's making a big fight over that, there's, there's other issues. There's other things going on. It was fascinating. We had Alex Bennett on the podcast. She married the owner of OKC, who's a billionaire. And they said, Alex, you're not signing a prenup. And she was like uneducated on the topic. She's like, okay, sounds good. We'll get married. Well, they got divorced and she ended up having to pay him because they tied all assets, all, any type of return on investments in a trust and on paper, you had no money coming in. So the idea of just like having these conversations is important. So it's always interesting to hear different people's takes from different places. It's a wild world. You're the wrong person to marry. Yeah, let me ask you this though. Wedding planning, it's coming up for you. You got the wedding ready to go. You know where it's going to be. How about from a, like any tips or tricks on the whole idea of like budgeting or spending when it comes to money in wedding planning? I don't have any tips or tricks. You're just like, I overspent. I'm very fortunate to be, to be, to be in the position I'm in to have the wedding I want. Okay. Let's ask you this. I'm also very fortunate that, you know, me, me spending on a wedding is, has, has upside. Yeah. 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 Totally. You know? Yeah. And so when you're thinking about just the business side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the more eyeballs. That's the, a plus side of being a public figure. Yep. You know? Hannah Godwin came on today and she talked about their wedding. The person who was working her dress invested big into PR and analytics to monitor it. And their wedding, their wedding did 60 million impressions. Yeah. 60 million. So there is a business behind this stuff. It's interesting. Well, I think what you just did too is tease us. We're all going to watch. And then when we watch, impressions will be off the charts and you'll, you'll talk about that upside. I want to talk about Bachelor real quick, just in general. It's a very high level business relationship with the show in a good place, like Golden Bachelor, I didn't see you there, would have thought you would have been there. Like where, where's the business relationship with the show? I think it's great. I mean, you know, as, as my show grows, I'm, I'm just attached less and less to it. We're just covering other things and, and experience a lot of success in that space. So, you know, quite frankly, as far as the vile files, like we go where the, the hype is, you know, where the story is. And so that has taken us a little away from Bachelor. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, relationship's still strong. Yeah. Okay. You that's, know, that's... I mean, as far as Golden, yeah. I mean, I was busy prepping for Gypsy. And, you know, I'm very careful about be- saying yes to Bachelor opportunities. At the same time, I'm also a member of the press as far as the Bachelor franchise is concerned. Yeah. So that's something they have to take into consideration you know, when having me at events or not having me at events. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, uh, I'm far less inclined to, to be a part of those types of events. It's not that I never would. And there's always yeah. exceptions to every rule, but yeah, it just, it has to make sense just because, you know, not I'm, I'm having success in other spaces. It's, I think it's important to keep that momentum going in that direction rather than kind of revisit, you know, old friends, so to speak. But I always, you know, Bachelor got, you know, 
I, I know I never speak negatively about my experience. Yep. I've always been open that I've had my frustrations with the show as everyone else has, but yep. I knew what I signed up for. I didn't know what I signed up for in terms of what the bachelor experience was, but I knew I signed up for things that are outside of my control. Okay. And so I'm grateful for my time on the show and grateful the experience. And I'm grateful for what a lot of the producers have done for me, even though that hasn't always been positive. And, uh, and so my views on my experience with them has always been net positive. Okay. It's a, it's a growing, changing relationship, but a net positive one. Just a couple more questions. And we've heard you talk a little bit about going to school to be a therapist. I was just curious the career direction there. Is that still, still very much? I've looked into schools, talked to my therapists about different types of schools. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get started this year. Okay. I mean, 2023 truly was one of the craziest years of my life, getting engaged, the success of the show, buying my grandfather's house, finding out Nally was pregnant, going <laughs> and doing and winning special forces is like, crazy. you know, like maybe in my top 10, but I had a crazy year. I had a very wild, 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 wild year of an insane, impactful things and, and wonderful moments of my life. And so, yeah. What was the point of bringing that up? <laughs> I just, what just, was the question? Just that. No, I was just curious. I was just, we transitioned from the bachelor to just overall just the year and everything. I had a big year, so we'll yeah. see how this year goes, but 2023 will be hard to, to beat. Yeah, overall. But then again, I am getting married and I am having my first kid. And, you know, Enjoy we, we started with Gypsy Rose and Clayton and Kylie. Kylie? Who was cheated on in yeah. Bachelor Nation. Wow. So. Okay. A lot of action. Nick, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. The last thing I got for you, you mentioned Special Forces, winning it. When you compare the mental endurance on Special Forces to any of the other shows that you went on, Dancing with the Stars, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, how would you compare it? Psychologically, mentally, I've been bachelor somewhat close. It's, you know, two years of special forces to five people had finished. Three people have been from bachelor nation. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. Special forces is only eight days, which a lot of people were surprised to find that out. People who watched it and they were very clear about every episode was a day. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, I couldn't imagine it being more than eight days. Yeah. It was hell on earth, psychologically and physically. Bachelor is a whole different animal in terms of the psychological. You're truly alone in Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Special Force, you're not alone. In fact, you're, you're with a lot of people. You're, you have a community. I mean, it, thank God I had Tyler there. Yeah. Thank God I had JoJo there. You know, we all supported each other. We were all, you know, having each other was the part that got us through. Yeah. If I got bachelor, you don't know, you can't trust anyone, <laughs> you know, can't trust producers, can't trust your castmates who are all vying for the same person. You're, you're truly emotionally by yourself. It's very challenging. And that can last up to nine weeks, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. a long time to be by yourself emotionally without a support system. And so, yeah. Okay. But they're I different but both equally challenging. Both equally challenging. Sounds like special forces might've been a little bit more mentally enduring, but I don't know if you could put a timestamp on pain because it's different. I mean, at special forces, you, you, I was truly suffering. Yeah. Yeah. For eight days. Right. You know, truly suffering the last three days. 
Right. Like I was just literally trying to get to the next hour. Yeah. And I don't think you can do a timestamp on this stuff. Like we're sitting in aloe and they have their cold plunges. You go in there for three minutes yeah. and you know, it could be torture. So like all different things. So it was that different. for like three days. Right. For three <laughs> days. So saying nine days and nine weeks is yeah. irrelevant. But Nick, yeah, 2023, huge year for you. You just told us a little bit about it. Sounds like they're going to be a therapist is on the radar, but it wasn't this year. We'll see what oh, happens. Oh, that's why I brought that up. Yeah. I just had a lot going on. Yeah, that's why, that's I, brought why I, yeah, I brought yeah. it up full circle. But I absolutely, it's not a matter of if, it's when. It's just finding the time and, and maybe not, you know, expecting my first kid and launching a media company. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer. And, you know, there's two great times to work really hard, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when either things are going really great or when things aren't going so great. Yeah. You know, right now things are going really well for my show and, you know, my, me and my team, we're, we're using it as opportunity to double and triple down on our efforts and, and keep making sure that we keep the momentum going and, and we really love what we do. And, you know, and um, right now that's, that's the focus, but uh, I, I, that's kind of, you know, being a therapist is something I really want to do for like kind of the, the last chapter of my professional career. Interesting. I find that I, I, I'm, my hope is that will be a lot more calm. Okay. Well, that will be more calm. That's probably the next time we're going to have you on this show is when you sell this media company for millions and millions, and then you become a therapist. Nick, you're killing it every aspect from the podcast to the media company, your wedding coming up, soon to be father. 100 million plus downloads is the goal this year. We heard some numbers for you. Uh, We really appreciate you being on Trading Secrets, but we got to finish with one trading secret. So think about the last two years specifically. What is one trading secret we can't get in a textbook from a professor, TikTok or YouTube tutorial we can only get from your career success? What would you say it has been? Really think long game, big picture, and don't burn bridges. I like that. Don't burn bridges. I like Which the, is something that people in imagination do all the time. Yeah, we're <laughs> very good at that. Oh, yeah. You just never know. You just never know who's going to work for someone else someday. And you just never know who you're going to run into. And you, you can't predict the future. So be consistent, plan ahead, and, and just keep grinding, man. There you go. I like that. I think I'm going to say the trading secret I learned from this episode was what you said just as you wrapped up. And it was the two times you work really hard or when you need to do better or you're killing it. I think most people, when they're doing really well, take their foot off the gas. And that's the exact opposite of what you've done. And I think in the last two years, your foot was on the pedal. And when the foot was on the pedal, not only did you press harder, you got other people Present harder with you. And I think that's been huge for you. So congrats on all your success and thank you for being back on. And where can everyone find everything you got going? Just check us out on the Vial Files three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays for the most part for all the other stuff we're doing. Just you'll find out once you start listening to our show. Nick Vial on uh, Instagram and TikTok and check us out wherever you get your podcasts, uh, including YouTube. I love it. And you also have a Vial Files Plus, right? Yeah, we have a premium subscription. Yep. We do multiple shows a week behind that. It's free to sign up. So go to vilefiles.com and check that out. I love it. Well, Nick, thank you for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. Thanks for having me, bud. Ding, ding, ding. I got it back. It's mine again. The ding, ding, ding is mine again. You know, last week, we know, David, you got the ding, ding, ding as I was in the hot seat. That was a great episode. The JTA was fire, man. You did a great job. Congratulations. Uh, And you know what? I saw some reviews, man. I saw some reviews out there. I even saw 
Dave Neal did a whole thing about that episode. And I don't know if you saw it on YouTube, but he gave you a lot of credit. He said you wow. did a great job. So, David, we're back in the recap. We're back to where we sit. We had Nick Vial on the second time, two years later, an absolute beast when we talk about business and branding. So where do you want to take this? Where do you want to go? Well, first off, thank you for that. It was great to listen back to JTA. I have to admit, I'm on my couch recording this recap in my happy place. There's no ring light on my face. And Jay, I was nervous. Like, I I don't think I ever told you this, but I was nervous for JTA. And so listening back, uh, just whenever you hear yourself talk, you find the moments that you were the most nervous. So I'm glad it, it came across in a way that the listeners really liked and that you appreciated. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm settling into my, my podcast space right now. At 2024, I'm going to be a little more confident in entering the podcast space and kicking it off with JTA was great. And following up this Nick Vial episode, Jay, even better, even better. I love that, David. I love it. You know, what's funny is like, I was listening to it back and I was thinking after the episode, I was way too dialed and not enough like banter and fun like typically you and I have. That was because also we had that day I had Justin Susie, I had Jax Taylor, and I have Francesca uh, Farago all after this, and we were on a tight time. But then I listened to it back. I'm like, it actually came off great because you did such a good job hosting. And as a result of that, it allowed me to answer the questions in a focused manner without any bullshit. And it was a great episode. So, and guys, thank you. I can't tell you, I will say, of any episode we've had yet. That episode has generated the most DMs, personal messages, and personal emails. So the team is catching up on those. And we actually had a one-hour Trading Secrets strategy call today to talk about a whole lot of things as it relates to what this podcast will be moving forward. And I think that's a good transition back to this episode because there's nothing like perspective. And when I listen back to JTA and I hear about, you know, one of my ventures is a podcast. I got a lot of moving parts, but one of them we do about 350k last year in revenue, you feel pretty good about, okay, two guys and a mic and some guests and making an impact. Now, when you compare the fact that 350k of revenue last year doesn't even connect or touch to one half, one half the amount that Nick spent to operate his podcast, you know what? That is the stuff you need in life. You got to be surrounded about people like that because when you hear those numbers and you hear those things and you see the success, it makes you want to be better. So that's how we're going to transition to this Nick Vial recap. Yeah, 100%. And, and like you opened with the podcast king, Nick Vial, 150 million downloads in, in the last five years. And no better way to humble ourselves after patting ourselves on the back for JTA 2023 to take a slice of humble pie. Listen to Nick Vial's numbers there. But I know you, Jay, and I know I know your tone of voice and your body language in these interviews. Some of them, you just you you're a sponge. You got the notepad on <laughs> the head. You're you're taking mental notes. I want to ask you: or Is there a couple things when you're sitting in that chair that you're listening to them? I, I kind of asked this a little bit on JTA, but really, listen to this. I saw another level of it. Is there anything that you really are honing in and, and taking away from this podcast for trading secrets or just yourself moving forward? I, here's the thing: Nick is very intellectually stimulating. He's a smart fucking guy, really smart. And so I just enjoy talking to him and learning more about him. And when we talk, 
I'm stimulated by what he says and what he says, I kind of want to know more of and dig into. So for me, it makes like for a great interview and I do all this preparing. I have all these questions. I didn't look at my notes once. I just let my brain do the work. Nick was so kind. I said after the podcast, I said, Nick, let me take you and Natalie out to dinner for coming on. I know you got a lot going on. I mean, he just landed from the Gypsy Rose interview. And he was so kind to be like, no, man, like, why don't we cook for you? And I was like, no, I don't know. And so we went over to his house and we talked for like two, again, two hours plus of just great conversation. So I just enjoy talking to him. And when you talk about the, the idea of being a sponge, I was a sponge and I was asking a lot of questions because my curiosities were just moving in a lot of directions. And I even think, I think we live and we act and we strategize and we deploy a lot of things in very different ways, but we both do it with intentional ways. And because he does things so differently than me, I'm so curious by it. And one thing about that he said when he came on the first time and we recapped, like, I'm just starting to believe him more. Like one quote that he said, he talks actively about not trying to be in the news. He goes, nothing that I do Am I trying to be in the news? And old David would be like, hot Nick Vial. He's definitely trying to be in the news, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know what? I believe him now. Like, I don't think he is. I think he's, like you said, he's super intellectual. I just think he's smarter than others in this field and has a super sharp strategy for his podcast, his team, his vision. And, you know, obviously he's crushing it. Like he's like proof is in the pudding. He's had more success in income and personal income every year since 2015. He's got goals for 100 million downloads this year on the podcast, which I mean, we float numbers around all the time, like 100 million is 100 million. I am curious because the first time when he was on, he was definitely more open about monetary numbers. Did you, were you surprised that he was, he just seemed a little more tight lipped on his numbers this time? Do you have a theory behind why that might be? I think he's at the level of success now from a money standpoint that he's almost like, I don't want to be giving people A, my playbook, or B, I don't want to be giving them the numbers connected to my playbook because life is fucking good. And I also want to say, let's not forget, this is where I want to give him credit. When we talk about business and career navigation, the one thing is Nick just does him and doesn't care what people think. And it's easier to say that than do that. Nick had a lot of ventures that didn't work out. Nick was trying and, and, and kind of scratching and clawing at everything when he got off the show, right? He, he had an acting career, which he still dabbles into, but he had a, you know, there was like this oils company. He also had this men's monthly subscription kit that didn't work out. He was hustling this YouTube channel with Jared. I know they tried different shows to launch. Like Nick pushed and, and went after it. And Nick actually launched his podcast late. And when he launched it late, he'd launched it by himself, right? Had his team, but by himself in a network. He was going up against the beasts of iHeartRadio with Ben Higgins and Ashley I, who literally took over this area. You, of course, know my ex's podcast was crushing it in this space. And there's, you know, Bachelor Happy Hour where Becca and Rachel Lindsay were on was absolutely crushing it. Like he had his work cut out for him and kind of came in on a solo mission after some things didn't work out and has absolutely taken over and no one is coming even close. And it's really interesting to see. It's wild. 
it is really interesting. And he's obviously found his way of doing it on the business end. And one takeaway I had was on the personal end, which I was really impressed about with someone who obviously creates so many headlines through his podcast. But he said on a personal scale, he doesn't read his press. I thought his takeaway about how he talked about Reddit, for example, and I'm just going to touch on this really, really quick for myself. My name came across on Reddit. I started having like heart palpitations, like freaking out. Like I, I commented. <laughs> Why though? Why? Well, I commented on one of your posts as like a friend and it, I, all of a sudden I'm on Bachelor Nation Scoop and I'm seeing my name on Bachelor Nation Scoop and I'm having like freakouts because it's just like an unfamiliar place for me to see my name in places that unless I'm putting my name into Google that I'm not used to seeing. And then you start worrying about why is it on there? What are people saying? Is that true? Do I have to defend myself? Or it could even be positive things that you that people start saying. And then maybe you start thinking, you know, other things about, you know, that, that aren't relative to, to your life, your day to day or your happiness. And it just at the end of the day, it just impacts you. Obviously, in the last year, you know, or even since you've been off the show, you've probably had to deal with the Reddit monster for a while. How is your approach and did what Nick say about that whole thing resonate with you at all? Okay, great question. There's two things to talk about. The first thing we have to talk about is when Nick talked about the fact that he tells people not to look at comments, tells them not to go on Reddit. When I asked him, who is Nick Vial? We see all these sides, right? We see every side of Nick. Who is it? And when he just said, it's just me in that moment, there's a lot of people that say that. I actually believe him. I believe that he doesn't read these comments. I believe that he doesn't. And what his comment was about how people edit themselves is so damn accurate. There are so many people that read the comments and then try to adjust their behaviors, the way they talk, the way they look, the way they do everything so that they can meet the standard of what these comments are saying. And now they've lost themselves. And when you lose yourself, you then have nothing to offer. And when you have nothing to offer, no one's watching anymore. And when he talked about the fact, I don't want to edit myself because I want to continue to just be me, I'm going to be me. But still the fact that he said, I recognize that me is not perfect, right? There's days I'm, I did do that wrong. I should have done that better, but that was me in that moment. And I'd rather be me in that moment than the edited version of me. Nailed it. The second part here is let's just talk about Reddit for a second or comments. I think you asked me the question, what did it do? The first time I saw myself in Reddit or any of these you know, articles online and then all these people comment and stuff, same thing. T- stomach twisted, like started like losing my shit. One of the big things I recognize, especially through a lot of work in therapy, is understanding why does it deregulate me? What is it? Like when that happens, why? And the big thing that really irritates me is when I'm either mislabeled or things are incorrect. That's where I notice I get the most irritated. What, most of the time, those people on Reddit are like FBI agents, dude. They know everything. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the time they are right. But when they are wrong or when they speculate things that aren't the actual truth, that's where I want to like jump on there and go. And I, I really try to stay off of it. But, you know, that doesn't always happen. And a lot of times articles get sent. And I am definitely one of the people that when an article is sent to me on Reddit, I click even though I know I shouldn't. So, you know, Nick's right about that. If you continue to look at that stuff, you'll edit yourself. And if you edit yourself, you won't be yourself. And that's maybe a little bit of a takeaway that you can have from just like we have our, our viewers at home have takeaways. You got to not click that article that gets sent to you in Reddit. And, and it is a takeaway, I think, not to not edit yourself in, in every fashion, Jay, like for our listeners and just their everyday, like 
in in business and career like socially dating scene like the more that you try and be something because of what someone else said or did or anything is really shortchanging yourself for what you want to put out there to others in the workplace and in the social scene and the dating pools so i thought that that was a really interesting takeaway and and one thing that i definitely want to get to before you know we run out of time here is back to his podcast i i couldn't believe and my jaw was almost on the floor when you asked him a great question, what are your top three revenue streams? And he basically said the podcast. And then when you asked him about social media, he almost, Jay, he almost couldn't even give it the time of day to answer social media as a revenue stream. And I just want to kind of get your, your, your vibe on that because of how popular and successful and how big of a following is and how well you know you can monetize social media. Just that like feeling in the room where he's just putting that out there and talking about that. Cause it really, it shocked me and I loved it to be honest. Like I loved the passion, intensity, energy focus that he has on his podcast. Well, it makes sense. Cause I remember like back in the day, he put so much time and energy, at least what it felt like from an outsider's perspective on social media. And now you can tell, I don't think he really gives a shit, right? I think all he looks at is social media as, or the main thing he looks at is social media will drive more podcast downloads, drive the entirety of me on my business, where so many of us don't do, none of us do that. None of us do that, right? So I was blown away by that. The big numbers with the podcast, when I asked him about 25K an episode, just absolutely mind-blowing that he didn't flinch at it. Obviously, he didn't give me a number. I think he makes that, if not, probably more. The fact that last episode I had with him, I said over under 750000 He said over. And this episode, he said 750000 That number is how much he spent to operate his podcast. That was an expense. And then you think about just the, the, the total amount of downloads he's getting. It's, it's absolutely insanity. So I don't know. I think about it. I need to just have a next time I talk to Nick, I need to just be like, all right, let's take pencils and papers out. How much are you making on social? I'm going to guess he's, 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 he's right. He's not focused on us because he's making millions and millions on his podcast. But I wonder, I would ask him and I'll ask him actually, if the, two years ago, I did 1.2 on my, you know, all the social category and then one last year. And this year I'll definitely surpass 1 million. I wonder what he does on social, even though that's incomparable to what he's making on the overall podcast. I am, yeah. I am curious, but it's mind blowing. And it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's incredible. I just loved when he said, do you make 25 K an episode? He goes instantly, he goes, I'm not going to answer that, which obviously means he does. Right. And he alluded to, he said he doesn't want to attract the wrong attention with sharing answers to those type of questions. So did you see the way I kind of challenged him there though? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was good. That was an interesting take because I get what he's saying. He's making so much now. That it's like, I don't want to even attract that attention. Yeah. But man, like there, you know, there are companies that I used to, used to work for where there was one owner and they did 800 million in revenue. Exactly. And do you know how much I could learn from those people that did 800 million in revenue? How to hire, how not to hire, how to negotiate, how to reinvest. At what point can you reinvest? How much has your profitability gone down now that you are reinvesting at that level? Like, you know, now you were able to scale to have a network. So I just think there's so many lessons that you can have without being braggadocious and still talking numbers. Well, it all goes to the root of the podcast. I mean, why you started the concept of this podcast is, you know, financial transparency and how money is made in certain industries and, you know, talking about money and a means to motivate and 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 build people up. So I totally understand why he feels that way, but it also goes back to the root of our podcast. And speaking of the root of the podcast, I just love what he said in he said it in passing and he said 
you know, kind of defining his podcast. And he said, it's a pop culture relationship podcast. And in my head, I'm thinking, fuck, what, what an amazing niche. And he has that nailed down. And so when he comes across guests or things are happening in headlines, he can relate it to, is it pop culture? Is it relationship? I need them on my podcast. So you talked about JTA about niching down for trading secrets. I know we throw a lot of things of what the podcast is, but four years into it, what are we to you? Like, do you have a niche set down? Can you, do you have a come to mind, a three word, we're a pop culture relationship podcast? What, what do you think trading secrets is? And, and learning all this and talking to Nick, what do you want it to be? The podcast is in simple terms, it's a career and money exploration podcast. I like that. Right. So it's career and money exploration. It's not industry specific. So it's a non industry specific career and money exploration podcast. I think there's a way to say we should make it a pop culture, you know, money and career podcast. I think we could do that, especially if we add two episodes, that could be a niche. And I also think, David, when you look at all different areas, you know, what is going to sell? We talk about this more. Entertainment's always going to sell more than education. So there's ways that we could adjust the podcast to sell more if we wanted to. But we also want to stay within the focus of exactly what we're doing. You know, that goes at all different levels, right? Like you see what OnlyFans creators are doing now. Some of them are making millions and millions a month. Does that mean that's the direction you go? No. Am I comparing what Nick's doing to that? Absolutely not. The point is, is when you enter into certain categories, there will be different levels of attainable success within those categories. So it's a good question. Where do you think we should go knowing that's my definition of what the podcast is? Well, I'm glad I asked it because I've never heard you say the word exploration in any recap episode, teaser, trailer. And here it is. I gave you three words. And you use the word exploration. So to me, it means that I like it, but I think we're still figuring it out and narrowing it down. Obviously, like you said, the pop culture piece, the entertainment piece over education in terms of viewers, I, I think we're both really big and, and, and want to stay true to the education piece that everyone who comes on is still learning something or having a takeaway. You know, my big thing too is like, I do think the listeners, as much as they come on for the guests, also come on for you. And so I think doing this through you as the as the avenue and the point person is is a root of our podcast which you know I'm team I'm team second episode love and life uh, episode 2 so I think that you know I think we're getting closer to narrowing it down and nailing it down which is you know at the end of the day important for us and our growth and in our niche so we can be the best at what we do yeah and I think let's not forget too even going back to Nick it took him 10, 10 months, months 10 months to make 25k then also when you think about the idea of that he said his last network didn't sell as well. So, you know, he had to find the right things in the right places through exploration. And he's done just that. And he found his niche. And I also think he said after the podcast, like, there are only so many times you get these big moments, right? Like these moments come and when they come, you got to capitalize and then push with the momentum, right? Gypsy Rose was a massive moment for him. One million views on YouTube for a channel that has 140,000 subscribers. Crazy. That's a moment. They will push forward and it will be uh, incredible. It was fun to interview Nick. It was, it's interesting to see what he's doing and how he's doing it and the way he's building it, especially with his network. It'll be cool to come back to see what that looks like. He's got Natalie on top of Natalie. He's got a family coming. 
I don't know what Ramen is going nuts about right now, but he's starting to cry. <laughs> so all good stuff's going on around here. Yeah, I just heard Carter cry in the other room too. So here we go. We're just in it. Two, two, two babies, different ones got fur, one's about to get fur on his head. But last question I got for you, it can be really quick. Jay, if Trading Secrets ended up having some of the success, let's say, let's just say it got as successful as the Vio files, would you do anything else? Would you have any other business ventures or would you be, you know, absolutely laser focused on every detail of trading secrets? It's hard to answer that question. I just like the idea of diversifying for a lot of reasons. I would be, I'd be deploying more time towards it. Yeah. Right. And I will say this year I've been, there's a lot happening behind trading secrets. So okay. good question. Okay. I'm going to keep deploying that time. Stay focused. Okay. Money mafia. If you're here. There were some really funny moments in this interview where you'll want to see facial expressions. Go to our YouTube channel, Trading Secrets, Jason Tardic, and subscribe. We have an Instagram page that's Trading Secrets Podcast. You can follow that every day the market's open. We give you the information that you need to know. We've been doing that for four years. So go check us out there. And we have masterclasses and a networking group that's going to be totally revamped coming soon. So I'm excited about what's to come. And David, I think that second episode, I think we are very, very close. I'm telling you, I know I got a lot on my plate. I know our schedule's Clyde. We do 30 minutes. We lock it down Wednesday nights. We work hard days. We come back. You know, like I said, we pour our finest cocktail and we sit on the couch and and we just, we do it. We do it. I got a ring light, Jay. So I got to put it to use. You're legit now. (laughs) You heard Nick say it. He doesn't care if you love him. He doesn't care if you hate him. He just needs you to listen to him. I think there are a ton of takeaways from the career navigation, financial, social, professional, all the all success that Nick Vial has had and is having. And it was an honor to have him back here on Trading Secrets. David, you got anything before we wrap? Nope. Five stars. I think this is my first recap of 2024. Look at me go. So I'm just happy to be back here. Rolling the snowball down the hill, creating more momentum as we go. Keep giving us five stars. Every single episode, we give something away from the influencer closet to someone who gives us five stars on Apple and tells us their biggest takeaway and or what guests they want on the show. So let's do a quick giveaway here. Here it is. CMCOCC223. That's a username. More JTA, more Jason Tells All. Such a great episode. Love hearing the behind the scenes of your life and financial status. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'm amazed at how successful you are and your net worth. Wow. Congrats and keep up the good work. Look forward to Mondays when your new episodes come out. Well, thank you so much for that review. Send us your address, tradingsecrets at jasontardic.com. We'll send you something from the influencer closet. David, thank you for joining me for this recap. Nick, if you're still here with us, thank you for being on this episode, Trading Secrets. And get ready next week. We got Jack's tail. The one and only, the Vanderpump King who came, left, and is now back and has another show under his belt that we'll talk all about. So get ready to go to tune into another episode of Trading Secrets You Can't Afford to Miss.